What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Curio House podcast, where we talk real estate, real estate investment, and what it's like to be a real estate agent uh, in the Oklahoma City area. Um, I've got Charlie Norris, or Charlene Norris, Charlene Norris. Charlie's fine. Charlie? Perfect. I got Charlie Norris with us. Uh, Charlie's uh, an agent in our exit office, fantastic agent. And uh, she's she's been around a little longer than I have, but was one of those people that I really took a lot from uh, when I was first getting started as far as work ethic and just the things you have to do to be successful in the area. So I'm really excited to chat with you today. I think, uh, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know it's a Sunday, busy day for showing houses and, and, you know, doing all that stuff. But thanks for coming to chat with us. You bet. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So <clears throat> one of the things get cozy here. <laughs> One of the things I was excited to talk to you about is, uh, you know, because we've gotten to know each other. We worked on that listing in Edmond together. Mm -hmm. And that was a great opportunity because we were in there like getting our hands dirty, oh, cleaning yeah. this house, out, <laughs> scrubbing it, you know, like staging it, getting it ready. And so we got to know each other, um, you know, during that process. But I really wanted to kind of bring some of those conversations back out and, you know, in, into the marketplace, so to speak. So, you know, like, uh, who, who is Charlie? I know, um, your, your niche is sort of like the horse properties and everything. Mm -hmm. And you're very familiar with, um, uh, I almost said roping, but with, uh, barrel racing and, and different rodeo things. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. Uh, well, I grew up in southeastern Washington State, so the specific uh, specific Northwest. Um, we just a small farming community. Um, I think there's like 750 people in our town. Oh, um, wow. Really, like just deep into the wheat country. Um, a lot of people think of vineyards, but vineyards and orchards, and they're there. But like the the true. Um, the true local people, we really, it's all about the wheat country um, and the, the logging industry. And so that's what I grew up around. And, and we had hay and horses and we always had horses. And um, I actually grew up in the English um, facet of the horse industry when I was really young. And I used well, to make... What, what, what is that? English? English. What so does that mean? That You're is... throwing out terms I've never <laughs> heard of before. Yeah, so that's like what you see the on the Olympics, like going over the jumps and okay. you know, there's no horn on the saddle and you know, it's it's a very European, it, you know, it's 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 all over the country, but a lot of people when they kind of think of it, they think about it in being in Europe. What I'm picturing right now is like the the women that wear the, you know, the cute little jacket yes. with the That's exactly what it is. That's okay. Exactly what okay. It is. So I actually made fun of rodeo people. <laughs> <laughs> and um but long story short, the, just horses, love for the horses and love for the sport, whether it be the English or the rodeo industry, just eventually led me to Oklahoma. Okay. Um, as most people know, that this is kind of a, a very central location for the horse community. We all come here because we don't want to freeze anymore. And is so, that what it is? Because, I, I mean, I've noticed just from living in the area for a while that like there's a huge population of like mm -hmm. equine enthusiasts. Yeah. I mean, they're everywhere. Like, don't get me wrong. Like there's people say like, Oh, the, the best in the rodeo come from Oklahoma. Well, they're, they're all over the country. They're from where I'm from. They're from New York. They're from everywhere. Yeah. But, um, it's really hard to produce nice horses and per, per craft or perfect your craft when, um, it's like 30 degrees all the time or, you know, t below 20, um, you can't, you can't, not everyone has an indoor arena. It's, it's really hard to make nice horses if you can't ride all year long. 
Okay. So people come here, which is, you know, it can be, it could be 80 tomorrow and I could be short sleeves all week, you know, ride my horses and, and then it might be, you know, snowing. Yeah. But we get those breaks and we can keep our horses fit and, um, we, it's easier to go to events because we're not dealing with the snow and the ice all the time. And, um, and being our location helps too. We have a lot of high end rodeos here. Um, you know, like the big stuff, like, Houston and anytime you get down towards Texas or there's big rodeos all over the country but I mean if you just leave from Oklahoma they're all within you know 12 hours usually sure until you get out kind of into the obviously across country but um is this sort of the the like heart of rodeo country like Oklahoma Texas or I think so I mean my people back home are gonna cuss me but um I I really believe so um because it's, you know, we don't, you can literally pick up on any night of the week in, in almost any drive to a barrel race. You know, yeah. you can go to a rope in every weekend. You could, and, and it's every weekend you go somewhere for big money. You know, even if you got to drive from here to like Colorado, it's a 10 hour drive to, to Greeley, you know, or if you want to go down to Texas, you can run for thousands and thousands of dollars. That's wild. And and I remember when, uh, <clears throat> so my, my, uh, stepfather-in-law, I guess, uh, was big into roping and that was sort of like talking with him was my first real, like sort of dive into the rodeo world. And, and I'm still, I, I'm still not very familiar with it, but I, you know, I understand it. Um, but he would tell me about how much money there was in roping. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was one uh, where if he could get like the first place or the first place prize was like one hundred and fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And I was like, that's huge money mm-hmm. for running around an arena on a, or an arena, you know, on a horse. That's wild to me. Yeah. So what did you ever think about doing that like as a career? I did. Um, that was my my really my goal. Um I finished my bachelor's degree in South Dakota in agriculture, and I had a minor in equine science. And everything I went to college for was just to be able to really run a business. But the goal was I was going to I was going to train horses. Okay. Um, and I I got done with college, and I just I really was kind of kind of was like I don't know what to do. I, I knew I didn't want to go home, but I knew I didn't know. And I had a professor that said, hey, you know, they had this internship at the Lazy E in Guthrie, Oklahoma. And I was like... And you were in South Dakota? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I rodeoed there for um, SDSU for a couple years. Okay. Um, And I also rodeoed in Washington, but um, I really didn't start rodeoing until I was like a senior in high school. Okay. You know, I think really, really started when I was a freshman in college. And I just kind of like was like, I don't figure it out and bought a horse and just went at it, you know. And it was just something you had fun doing. Yeah, I I, I'd gotten I thought that, you know, it was I could win money doing that. I could make money doing that. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. I was I mean, I thought I was good at it then. Um, And so I were you not? uh, I not like I thought I was. (laughs) Uh, definitely not like I thought I was, but I, there's, if there's a will, there's a way. And that's, that's a real skill. Like you have to know what you're doing yeah. to do barrel racing, right? Yeah, you really do. I mean, even if you have a really, really great horse, there's only so much a really great horse can do for you if you can't ride it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so 
it's you really have to work at it. You gotta you gotta put the time in every day. So it doesn't matter if you're riding horses or you know learning about cattle or whatever you're doing. Like it doesn't matter. You just you have to work at it. Go at it a hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, so when I came here and I was just I was working for the Lazy E and they have a really good internship program and. I decided that I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. And I could go to braille races every week and it wasn't cold. And I was like, this is cool. Yeah. And I went through their whole internship program. And, um, you know, I went down to Ardmore, Oklahoma, and I worked for Judd Little, which is a really big barrel horse ranch. And they had some rope horses as well. Um, rode for them, rode, you know, there at the ranch and rodeoed a little bit and, you know, did, did a lot of different things there with them. And then I ended up coming back and, um, the end all be all was I was going to train horses for a living. You know, I was going to, okay. that was the profession. I was going to quit one day after I got my clientele, I was going to quit and ride horses. And, uh, and surely there's, there's a market for that. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. People, I mean, it's, it's not an easy life, but yeah. there's a reason why there's people who do it. You know, there's big time fraternity trainers and people who are very well known is whether it be just the beginning stages of a horse's life and they're learning how to be saddled and rode or um they're starting to do things like roping or running barrels um some people are good at it all some people are good at the beginning some people are just good at the end um so it's it's the same thing you just get good you figure out what you're good at what you like what clicks and you just go at it as hard as you can and that's that's what I thought I was like that's what I'm gonna do I'm just gonna do this yeah got this um I had some really good I I call it blessings I think God did it for me but um some really nice horses and it just kept like it just kept coming together and I just rode it out as long as I could and um now when you say you you got like some really good horses what do you mean well you were training them or yeah so I had I got a really um I got I call it I mean God or luck or whatever you want to call it I um I traded for a really really nice mare. Ended up selling for like stupid money, <laughs> <laughs> and so I took the money from her and um, I bought more nice horses and I rode them for a while and and um, sold those for you know the type of money it takes a whole year to make. Oh wow! So um, I was like wow, and I just kept buying you know more horses and selling and riding and I would ride outside horses for people and that's kind of your bread and butter like it takes a while to turn a big profit Mm -hmm. on horses um sometimes sometimes you get lucky and it's easy um but um it's 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 really it's funny and I tell people it's so much like real estate they look at me like I'm crazy but it's not so in, in what sense is it similar to real estate um I just to me I was like I just took the, the horse out of it and put a house in it, you know, in that spot. Okay. And I just said, okay, so sometimes like our house in Edmond, it takes hours and hours and, and you, you were there for months. Yeah. And then I came in there at the end and it was like, I'll make it pretty. And here, you know, here's the glory. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, it's, it, it's the same thing. You know, it's sometimes we get a call and somebody shows up with a pre-approval and we sell a $400,000 house and it's, you know, but butterflies and smiles and everyone's happy and it's easy. Yeah. And then sometimes you're elbow deep in someone's stranger's closet. <laughs> um, bagging up shoes. Bagging up shoes and, and 
I mean, a lot of things, um, you know, and, and, and it takes weeks and it, and it takes hours and you're like, sometimes you're like, what am I doing this for? Yeah. And then it all comes together and it you works get out the payout. and you get yeah. the payout. Um, I think one of the biggest things, cause I, you know, I'm pretty close with those clients and, uh, I, I talk to them regularly and, um, the like gratefulness that they exude when we talk about that sale and everything you should know how much they appreciate everything that we did and all the work that went into it because it, it was a huge payoff for them and it really worked out in the end. Um, but it, it took a hell of a lot of work. Yeah. And I think that as much as, as I think that being able to like experience that with you, even though we, we knew each other, but we didn't really know each other that well. Yeah. It was like when, when you see someone around the office or you make like small talk at the office. Yeah. So but we kind of, you know, we talked about all sorts of, you know, all sorts of things and in not just about, you know, real estate ideas and, and just, then it was, but it was all about helping somebody. Exactly. And yeah, there was a and goal because of obviously we, we do this to help people, but let's get real. We are trying to feed our families. Sure. So, um, but when you do all that, it's, it's such a, it's, I don't think people know unless you come from a different industry completely different industry like how much that mirrors a lot of people's careers whether it being real estate or um you being a farmer or a cattle rancher or um you know training horses it's to me it was just work and I had to figure out the rules of the game and you just made it work I really like that perspective because it that that almost is the exact same perspective that I have on a lot of this. And I think you could look at any um, product that is sold or any job that is done. And at the end of the day, it like however you boil it down, at the very bottom, the, the product is for people, mm-hmm. right? And so if you can find a way to um, design your product and market it in a way that it helps people, I think that you'll always find success in your career, whether it's like mm-hmm. with the horses or with real estate um, or selling cars or, or selling on, you know, Amazon or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what I'm, I'm kind of curious to know, like, how, how did you actually transition from the horses to real estate? Because that while I, I see what you mean about them being similar, mm-hmm. there's that's also like that's a big change. It is. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> that's kind of a funny story. Um, I had actually, so way back before I ever left Washington, um, I had a guy that he was a horse person and he was a very, um, he was very big in real estate in my area and he had kind of met me before like as an agent mm-hmm. or as an investor. Or? He was a broker. Okay. Um, and everybody knew who he was. He was a veteran. He was a broker. Everybody, everybody knew him. His name was Bob Brock or is Bob Brock. Um, they had nice horses, you know, his daughter, um, I didn't know his daughter real well, but, um, I would occasionally watch their place when they were out of town. And he said, you know, I think you'd be really good at this. Do you want to come to this open house and sit at this open house with me? And I said, yeah, sure. And the day came and went and I was like, I don't really think it's really something I want to do. And, you know, did you come to that conclusion after or before the open house? I didn't even go. Okay. Okay. So you just didn't think it was for you. I just was like, meh. I'm going to ride horses. Why do I need to do this? Yeah. Um, you know, years and years later, and I'd met people before, like Krista actually sold us our house, sold us our property. Same here. 
And go I, Krista. Go Krista. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I had, um, I think I'd asked her, I think I was pregnant with my daughter when I had asked her about it. And, um, so know. with, with Bob rocks, you never ended up really doing anything. N- nothing. So he just kind of planted the idea, the idea. And okay. then it just like years later, this is like, I'm talking like 10, 15 years later. Okay. And I, I honestly had occasionally thought about it over, you know, every once in a while, I was like, that would be kind of a good side gig. I should maybe look into that. And it just never really came through. Mm-hmm. And I just had such a driving force to do these other things. And, you know, as, as life happens, things change. I had left to ride professionally from the Lazy E. I'd rode for a couple of years and, and done well, and we were doing okay. And then um, I had gotten, I was looking for a little bit of consistent income. And so I'd taken a job um, at a vet clinic, and I was just kind of working in the office doing little things. Well, pretty much right when I took that job, I had gotten pregnant. And... Um, it was planned. Like it just happened way sooner than we thought it was going to. Yeah. And I had just took that job cause I was like, Oh, well, you know, I get a discount of vet services. It's very flexible. I don't work weekends. They needed some help. I was convenient. Like, convenient. Yeah. Make some money, you know, saw paid our mortgage every month. It was kind of nice. Yeah. My husband was in the oil field at the time. He'd been in the oil field for three years. Um, so, you know, to me, I was living the good life. I was rodeo and I was doing my thing and, um, you know, all I was doing was riding horses is everything I ever thought I ever wanted. And I got pregnant and we were like, oh, well, so, and I knew that it was probably going to be the only, only kid I had. So about, about the same time I started this job and, um, I was like, man, I got to quit riding. Like I was, I was still competing. Oh, that's right, Cause you can't ride when you're pregnant, right? Yeah. Some people you can, um, it's just, it is high risk. Okay. Uh, because even if you ride really nice horses, accidents happen. Yeah. And uh, it's a lot of movement. It's a lot of movement. And I rode, I rode all the way through my pregnancy. I just didn't compete after about 15 weeks. Okay. Cause I, it was like, I, I ride in really small saddles. Like it might, the horn was like touching my stomach and I was like, that's weird. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I was like, this just isn't worth it. And yeah. so um, I was teaching students at the time. And so it was just kind of like, well, you know. It's a good time to take a break, and it was in the winter. And uh, so, you know, fast forward a year, I have my little girl, um, and I'm able to take her to the clinic with me, so that was really nice. And and I went right back to riding, taking horses in. Um, you know, I'd be out there with my little monitor and, you know, making sure she, while she was sleeping, I'd be riding these horses. And um, then COVID hit. Ah. And... Um, my boss was like, we don't know how this is going to affect children. You really need to go home. And I was like, it'll be fine. <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden the oil field crashed. Yes. And then it was like, oh. And I had a friend, Nicole Knoll. She, um, who's also big in the horse industry, uh, barrel racing and race horses. Um, her husband's a, a racehorse trainer. I had known her uh, before, but she'd come to work at the clinic for a little bit as well. And so I really got to know her. And she had gotten into real estate and I actually had introduced her to, um, Bo and Krista and and she, she'd started with exit and uh, she's like, man, you got to do this. Like, she's like, you can do this. Like, this is right up your alley. It's right up your alley. You can do this. And she was like, man, I got, I knocked it out and I got licensed in 90 days and we just raw and I'm selling houses. And I was like, what? 
and I kind of looked into it and I was so surprised that it was like how many like full on support your family type careers can you literally get licensed in 90 days if you work hard at it pass your yeah, test it's not like a cakewalk it's not a cakewalk which was kind of crazy for me because I'm not a book person I was never a school person yeah but like my even my parents were like we knew you're going to pass you'd never cared you'd never tried that hard at anything ever like it's, except yeah. for horses I was the same way when I when I was going through mine because we gave ourselves like we had sort of very specific plans and timelines to make this work. And uh, I like we were working on a movie and we knew as soon as that wrapped, I was enrolling in the classes. And so like the week before we wrapped, I had enrolled and got everything lined up. And then as soon as we were done, it was like I literally 10 to 12 hours a day, I mm-hmm. would sit and just read and highlight mm-hmm. and, you know, write things out and you know, you, you've got to, you've got to treat it like that. Yeah. And I, I really did. It was just like, if my daughter was sleeping and the livestock and and the horses were taken care of, I was in front of that computer. Yeah. And, um, I literally, and I think I only ever took, like, I remember only maybe taking like one or two full days off. Like I, I, every day, whether I was on my phone working on it, I was in, I was figuring it out. Yeah. And of course I was like, I'm not going to pass the test the first time. And I did. And I was like, "Uh Oh, now what? <laughs> um, now you actually have to go do it. Now I have to do this. <laughs> and, um, I had, I had talked to a lot of different brokers. Um, but I ended up, uh, not really a lot. The, the ones I could get to talk to me, mm-hmm. um, people were so busy and I was just like, well, and you know, and, um, I met beta and I really liked her and I, everything about exit. And of course I had somebody that I knew that worked there beyond just like Krista. Sure. Um, and it seemed to be a, a nice starting step for me. And I was like, well, I just kind of jumped in and, um, but that's really how it happened. It was just like, um, I don't know. It was like I, every other door shut. And it was like, no one had money to pay me to ride horses. Um, I had horses lined up to ride, but a lot of them uh, either came or left early or couldn't come at all. And at that point, my husband had lost his job and like they were going to pay a severance and stuff, but it didn't come for a long time. And even though we'd saved money, um, we like literally sold everything that wasn't attached to the ground. Yeah. Because we knew that that it was going to get hard. It was going to get hard. And I was just like, I pretty much was just like, I'm not going to let this happen. I I really respect that because that was very much like my train of thought. Uh, You know, I I think we sort of saw that this was going to be bad, but we also saw that it was going to be bad for a little while. Mm -hmm. And I I didn't see this as something that was going to like play out long term, or at least the optimist inside me was like, Hey man, this can only last so long. Mm -hmm. And, and so I also kind of saw it as an opportunity to capitalize. And we knew that we needed to make some changes in our life. And so this just was like the opportunity to jump in, make those changes right away. And kind of to your point, like you said, all the other doors closed. It was the same thing for us, you know, like, um, every door closed. And this was just sort of that, that one way forward that I saw. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and really in my mind, I think I just framed it as, you know, this is my opportunity to do something. 
you know, mm-hmm. to, to start building my business and, and build it the way I want to build it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so there's just, you know, uh, Tony Robbins talks about, uh, burning the boats. You know, he says, yeah. if you want to take the Island, you got to burn the boats. And in a lot of ways, that is what I had to do. I had to actually put my back up to the wall and say, mm-hmm. listen, this is the only way forward. So I just need to make this shit happen. Yeah, exactly. And that's how, and that's how I still am. I, I mean, I'm, I'm almost two years in and, um, you know, tax season comes and you look at all the stuff you're like, well, that was, I'll never do this, you know, these 10 things again, because you start to figure out what works and what doesn't work and it's ever evolving. But, you know, who would have thought that literally a worldwide pandemic, people having to go home, no money, having to live off the gut, truly having to live off the government because they truly couldn't get make any money. And we just got our license and had some good mentorship and some good leadership and our brokers and the people around us. And, um, we just flourished. So many of us just flourished. And I think a lot of us, and I know that there was, there was many agents, um, that struggled, um, that, well, that, and, and why do you think that is? Because you're right. Like there, there were some of us that definitely jumped in during that time uh, who saw the opportunities we got in it. And like you said, we flourished and some did not. And, uh, and, and I'm curious what, what's like the different differentiating factors between maybe someone like you or I that sort of got a foothold and just pushed through all the, the hard stuff versus like is someone that is, you know, started the same time as us, but they're still just struggling. Yeah, um, I chalk it up to the way I was raised. Okay. And um, the lifestyle I come from. Because just because it's hard or it sucks or it's cold or there's a pandemic or, um, you know, even when the, the flu was bad, like all these things, these things have gone on all of our lives, different different, you know, obviously different levels. I'm not comparing, you know, you know, livestock struggles with a pandemic, but I'm just saying like, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like you, you have to do the best you can do for your family and, you know, do the best you can do to, to do it in the right way to where you're not, you know, not hurting other people. Um, Sure. Not, you know, yeah, not, not violating their, you know, their free will, their, the right, way they're their, comfortable. Sure. Um, and, and you, you got to figure it out. I mean, if, if you got to think about there's, you know, how far the, the livestock industries come in the last hundreds of years, you know, we used to have to go out and, you know, break the ice on the pond every day. And, you know, now we literally, you know, we can run water line, you know, it's, 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 I know it sounds silly, but, um, well, no, it's, it doesn't sound silly at all. It, to me, it just sounds like, I, I mean, if I heard you right, I think you're saying more or less, there's always going to be a struggle in life. Yeah. It's just your willingness and ability to go out and do what you have to do to get past that, Yeah, whatever it is, regardless of whether it's breaking ice so the cattle can get to water or, mm-hmm. you know, you cattle, you know, get out of pasture or something, you know, in a snowstorm yeah. or a global pandemic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, heck, last year, I mean, most of us, if we had livestock or anything, I mean, we had um, almost all of us had had small calves living in our houses because they were going to die. Wow. 
and 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 if they didn't die their ears would freeze off or or you know they would suffer and it was like yeah I mean yes we sell them later to our family you know to support our family to feed to feed the world or to feed the world to feed our country wherever wherever it all goes oh it definitely feeds the world yeah I mean all the things that we do but like we literally have like you know, livestock living in our houses because caring for them because it doesn't matter that it's you know a cow that you know poops in your bathroom. Like we don't care. We're we're going to make sure that that animal lives to a point to where it can do what it was born to do, which was to feed us. Yeah, and whether it's horses, I, I, I really I don't mean to cut or, you off, but I really like that because there's so many people that maybe aren't familiar with the cattle industry or, or ag in general that would, uh, the, or really just have the state of mind that farmers are inherently bad because they raise these cattle to die. Mm-hmm. Right. But, um, they, they, I guess just don't understand that, <clears throat> you know, we've got population levels that have never existed before. There's more mouths to feed across the globe than ever before. And they're like hunting and gathering just isn't a thing anymore. Mm -mm. So this food has to come from somewhere. And they all think that it's just giant factory farms pumping out steak Mm -hmm. and hamburger. And they don't understand that so much of that industry really is the independent farmer. Mm -hmm. And I think if I remember numbers correctly from when I was farming, something like 70% of farming is like mom and pop type mm-hmm. uh, productions or, you know, um, farms. And then, of course, you've got some of the, you know, massive, you know, more like factory farms or feedlots. Um, but 90% of the cattle, I think, in the world actually comes from a 500-mile radius of right here, which mm-hmm. I think is is really cool. And it speaks to how much of an impact we can have or or people like you who are raising these cattle uh, or cattle um, in terms of like feeding people and mm-hmm. putting food on plates. Yeah. And we have extreme, we just started, although I've been raised in it, we, and you know, we've been around it. Like we just started our own personal, our own personal herd. Um, and so we're, we're still new to it, but I, I've grown up in it. Um, but this is like my first, my husband and I's first little like group that we've had. Well, like, congratulations. People, yeah. Like me, people don't understand. Like, I know we don't have that many, but like, I know them all. I know all their temperaments. We have like ones that we can feed out of the truck. My daughter can feed, you know, I mean, we, we love them. We do. Yeah. And we take the best care of them we can. Um, and yes, like it's not pretty. It's not pretty. And either is it, cutting the wheat. Essential. Yeah. Either is cutting the wheat that makes the bread, the corn that people eat. None of it. Like people think that, that, that that's less harsh and less ugly and less painful. And it's not. I remember, uh, and this was so long ago, but I remember seeing a video like on Instagram or something and it was just a quick clip, but it was someone asking like college students, where does state come from? And there were so many that were like, uh, they had no idea. And to me, that's just like an eye opener. People, some people, and I'm I think, or at least I'd like to hope most people know that, you know, steak comes from cows. Yeah. Like, but I think there's some people that just look in the supermarket and they're like, here's a steak. Mm-hmm. And they don't even think about where it came from or what it is. Yeah. They're just oblivious to it. 
or they think and like steak has an animal and it had a you know of course it had a mind and a personality and we loved it and we you know some of us pet them or whatever and then we send them away to make food but then they look at a tor- you know a tortilla and they also don't realize that what the land and and the the lot and the wildlife and all the things you know they they don't realize that no matter what we're eating what we're doing we have an impact yeah we have an impact some of it's a little bit more you know, harsh than others, or, or to some people seems more harsh. Um, or maybe it just pulls on pe- people's heartstrings or their emotions. And, and it's not that we don't have emotions or that we don't think that it's sad that, that like I had to, you know, I have my favorite calf and we load them up and I'm like, that's the first one we had. And, and it goes to the sale yard and, and, you know, and, but you're doing what you have to do. What do you got to do? So, you kind of, you had this interesting um, trajectory where you sort of came out or came up from like, it, to me, sounds like an ag sort of upbringing. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of exposure to horses. You sort of fall in love with the equine community mm-hmm. and and start working in that. And then during the pandemic, you make this massive shift to mm-hmm. real estate and, and sort of uh, develop a passion for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what have you noticed since you got into real estate? And, and I know that you're still balancing your like recreation, you know, you still ride and, mm-hmm. you know, still barrel race and everything. Um, but how are you sort of intermingling those two areas of your life or do you keep them separate or, um, talking about specifically the horses and, and real estate? No, not at all. Um, as far as I'm concerned, everything's this, I'm like, everything's the same, you know, I'm like, we're, this is a whole, um, this has become our whole world. It's all together. Um, you know, I even like my first year, I, my daughter went with me to almost everything. All your showings. Um, all my showings. All your closings. Closings. I mean, the title, the title company, the, she knows everyone at the Guthrie Title Company. Um, and they know her. Um, and it's all together. Like when I go to a barrel race, if someone is talking about so-and-so that thinks about they want to move to Oklahoma, like, I'm like, hey, here's my mobile business card. Or if someone asks me, hey, you know, I like your horse. Is it for sale? I'm like, no, but if you ever need anything, here's my card. Well, it's my real estate card. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, I mean, it doesn't, and even with um, cattle stuff or, I mean, it's it doesn't matter. I think we, like, sold a refrigerator last year, and I gave my guy the card, and it turned into a house sale later. Really? Like, I don't care See, what it is. I think it's is. funny. Like, people... At least I've heard because I've talked to some agents, um, you know, because one of the things I want to do is start uh, recruiting so I can build my own team. Mm -hmm. And I've um, sort of started talking to some people about coming into real estate and they're they're just scared. They're so scared. And and their question is always like, where do I like how do I get the business? Where do the listings come from or where where do the clients come from? And I think you just you hit the nail on the head. You, you have to find a way to intermingle your personal life and your business because really they're one in the same. I think people always talk about work life balance. And I think that's, that's kind of a a cliche. I don't think it's something that is actually possible. Like in today's world, I think that you have to find a way to integrate your life into your business and mm-hmm. vice versa in order to, to, you know, be successful. And so, you know, you're talking about handing out business cards and that's turning into real life sales. And I wish that these people who are thinking about getting into real estate, but they're afraid, you know, could hear that and just understand that, listen, it's just, 
breaking down that that barrier of fear mm-hmm. and you know not not putting an emphasis or thought into what people might think of you because of your business card or, or whatever it is yeah. and just doing it just doing you know following the steps and doing the things yeah and you i don't think people realize that uh they're, you know, the multimillionaires, the, you know, the, um, the people we see on TV and the real estate shows and all the things that seem like they've got it all and it's all perfect and easy. Um, and, and just like you said, that work life balance, they, I know that those people, some of the, they have the luxury now to unplug because they have a team in place that allows them to do so. Um, but some of the best thing, I think I ever, um, and I'll, I'll probably say the author wrong. The guy who exit wrote the book. Yes. Did they send us? Yeah. Um, dang it. Dang yes, it. Steve I Morris. Know. Steve Morris. I knew it was Steve, but I was <laughs> like, I was going to say like something else. Um, you know, there's, there's a line in the book and I don't know if I'm going to say it perfectly, but he says that, you have to be like obnoxious. Like you have to be either, unless it's a billboard or everything you do, you literally have to be so obnoxious. Like it has to be obnoxious. It has to be so loud. People cannot ignore you. Thank you. I, and I love that. And I love that you read it, you recognized Mm -hmm. it and you remembered it because that's, exactly what like I'm trying to do. And I see you doing it too. You know, we both post videos and and we try and articulate different steps in Mm -hmm. the home buying or selling process to help the consumer along their journey and, and so that we can add value. But a lot of that also is just our way of marketing our message and Mm -hmm. us trying to be not obnoxious in a bad way, but obnoxious in the sense like, Hey, you might not be listening now, but I'm going to keep talking until you do. Yeah, you and know. you and that's I think that's that comes kind of full circle back to what I learned, um, you know, coming like when I came to Oklahoma, um, I came with some um, looking back now, like they weren't they weren't bad horses, but they weren't a whole lot compared to what I've learned. You know, what, I've come a long ways in those, you know, 10, 11 years um, in what we call quality mm-hmm. um, and. I look back then and I was just like, I didn't care where I was from. I didn't care that I showed up in a $500 tiny two horse trailer. I didn't care that I didn't really have any money. Um, I didn't care. I just kept working as hard as I could work until people just have to recognize me Exactly to the point to where, you know, I, I, I had nice trailers. It's just like having the nice car or whatever. And, and you know, none of that came from anything other than just sweat, blood and tears. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And I just, I respect that. I really do. Yeah. And it's, it's the same thing with real estate. Like some people, I think, um, whether it's God or luck fall into some really cool niches and, and they skyrocket, you know, to the top and debt free and all the things. And it's this beautiful story, but, um, 
We're all, know, it's I, always not that pretty. No, <laughs> and that's what I was going to say. I, I don't think they're like it might be one in a thousand, yeah. or one in a million yeah. that have that just unfettered success mm-hmm. and that that you know like escalator to the top. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people see uh, like I got a message yesterday and, and it was a really weird thing because I we were doing Rod and I were doing some marketing videos. Um, on one of Veda's listings, it's a commercial listing. And then Krista has one out in Cedar Valley. And so we're running around doing some videos and I was posting a bunch of stories and someone that I had met a long time ago in, in the movie world, he sent me a message and he said, he said, man, Craig, you have such a beautiful life. I really wish that I could have stuck around to be more of a, more part of it and, and just kind of went on. And, and I was like, man, like you're just, you're just making that assumption that I have a beautiful life based on like what I post to Facebook stories, mm-hmm. like you don't see the days where I don't have time to post anything because I'm working my ass off mm-hmm. trying to hold a deal together or trying to get one started or or whatever it is. And so I think there's this false perception mm-hmm. that if you can get in real estate and and get any semblance of a foothold, then that's just the that's the fast track to the top. And to your point, they don't see everything else that has no. to go into it. And that's a, that's the thing is, is social media <clears throat> is such a wonderful tool. And I, I think that like, I'm, I'm really trying to learn how to use it. Um, it's definitely not like, it's funny cause I say it's not my wheelhouse, but I, I literally sold every horse off on Facebook. So I don't really know why I say that. Um, it's just different. That's and difference hard. So, you know, people, people don't see the stuff that sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, they just don't. And and that's OK. Well, but I, I also think that social media almost trains them to not like even pay attention or think about the things that suck. Mm-hmm. Social media has almost trained you to just accept what you see online as reality mm-hmm. and as fact. And, yeah. you know, it's it's so back assward. Yeah, I try to share um, like more like stuff that's a little bit more real that like I shared something recently um that kind of coincided with my life changing and um, part of the reason, some of the background reason of really pushing in real estate was because I'd really beat my body up. Like I had literally been riding anything with hair, like that anybody <laughs> would pay me to ride. And that meant anything, whether it was going to try to kill me or not, I didn't care. And, um, I was good at it. And so I was like, why not? And at the time when I was younger, I was like, this is easy money. Well now, you know, I have a bad back and my neck is trashed and, you Mm. know, I wake up and I feel like a seven year old lady sometimes. And, and, um, does that have anything to do with why you've sort of transitioned into a real estate career? I, that, that was part of it. Like sometimes I forget, I think as I have let my body heal and I've learned how to take care of myself better, um, like really take care of my back and stuff like that, that it has kind of faded in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a lot of it too, because, you know, as much as people say, if you're a good writer, if you do all these things, like you're, you'll be fine. And, you know, and it's like, you see the old cowboys still out there and they're bow legged and they're still out riding horses and everything. And it's a hard life. Yeah. And it, I don't care what anybody says. It hurts. You know, there's mornings even now where I don't even ride a horse and I'll wake up and I can barely open my hands, <laughs> you know, um, or like I broke my leg in college. Like I still have pain in that leg. Um, and I have a, a bad neck because I've been bucked off on my head or fell, you know, 
accidents, not just getting bucked off, just flat out accidents. Things happen, you know, um, they're 1200 pound animals. And even if they don't mean to hurt you, they can. And, uh, as tough as we are, we're extremely fragile. And I also, part of it was my daughter because I was like, pretty good emotional. (laughs) (laughs) I never wanted her to think that she couldn't do anything. Oh, so I didn't want her to see me give up. And now she's probably not going to know like the horse person I was, but, um, I don't think so because she's, she's grown up in that as much as you did and she's going to grow up. You better cut this out. (laughs) (laughs) I think she sees you put in the work that you do every single day. And I mean, she doesn't appreciate it now, but when she looks back, she'll, she'll recognize how much you hustled to take care of her. And part of it was just like, I was like, man, there's such as this cool opportunity and, um, I can still do what I love to do, mm-hmm. but I don't have to torture myself anymore. You know, yeah. I didn't have to. Well, and, and you know, you, sh- well, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I-, I would love to see you reframe that thought a little bit because look at what you're doing in real estate. I mean, you're coming in making massive waves and, and you're really getting a foothold and, and you're building something. And that's so cool to see. And, and think about how much she's going to appreciate that, looking at how much, you know, mom has built this, this real estate business that's successful and puts food on the table and, you know, allows you and your family to do the things that maybe you couldn't have done before. Yeah, that's true. And I think, like, it's all a growth process. Like, I think, like, as we grow up, we're just like, okay, let's make some different choices here. And whether it's, you know, changing you know, to real estate or, you know, um, like I posted something on Facebook lately that was, um, somebody else had posted something about how, which is funny. You just said reframing the thought, like, um, every time we, you know, say something negative or say we can't do this or we can't do because of A, B or C, or this is why it's not working. We are constantly drawing out of our like our bank of confidence. Yeah, and um, it just really hit home with me because it was really related to the horse industry. And um, you know, I went through stages, and I'd gotten hurt really bad a couple of years ago, and it like it really wrecked my confidence. And like I, I mean, I had started wearing a helmet. Like this horse I had had in training had bucked me off. And it was totally, it wasn't really out of the blue because it wasn't not like her to try, but it was like, she, she hurt me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, no, I didn't know it then, but I think she, she broke one of my ribs up high. Mm. Um, the way I landed on my neck and head, she actually, the helmet I was wearing broke. Mm. Um, and it was like, thank God my mother forced, I mean, just begged me to start wearing a helmet. Um, and it was, it was there. It was just like, all of a sudden this fear was there. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I've never been scared before. And it, I know what you mean. And it's almost paralyzing. It's like people don't like, if you'd never, people's like, oh, they're scared. I'm like, there's a difference between scared and like, like, like par Like you're just like, you can't, you can't do Like you can't move, you can't function. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm scared. And I pushed through it for many years and I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. 
and but I kept being, you know, constantly like, oh, what if this happens? And I was just pulling out of like my confidence bank constantly, constantly. And then just trying to force things, whether it be with certain horses, you know, certain situations in life. And I was just like letting myself get beat down and like just didn't feel like I could just do anything. Right. I just couldn't do it. And I and it's like. I don't know, something clicked, like something changed. And even though I still was having success, um, I felt like my horses weren't like they used to be. Like I just wasn't the rider that I used to be. And I was like, what the heck changed? Do you think that, do you think that is that, that little voice inside your head, um, that it might be the result of the negative thinking that yes. just kind of yeah. chipping away at mm-hmm. like you're talking about your, your confidence, yeah. your self-confidence. Yeah. And that little article, like this little thing that somebody posted, it just was like, be careful that you don't bankrupt your confidence because I like that you, every time we say something like, I can't do this or they don't like me or this or that, you draw from that bank Mm -hmm. and whether it's confidence to get on a horse that maybe has, you know, scared you a little bit or, or it got to be the point where I felt like I couldn't even compete. And I used to go to professional rodeos like, and I I didn't want to compete against 30 people just because you're insecure. Yeah. My confidence had just gotten wrecked. How do you, uh, it might still be something that you're dealing with, but how do you get past that? Um, I think it's just like anything, whether, and I went through, I go still go through it with real estate and I think I will for a long time. Um, I just, you know, I call about making different choices, but I, I think as I've grown up, I've kind of just, you learn about yourself and you learn about how to better yourself and, and the things that help you be a good person or a better person or stronger. And I just finally was like, you are forcing things that are not working and it's not serving the people that you're trying to serve. It's not serving yourself and it's not serving your family. So I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I went through very similar sort of a, I, I call it like my awakening. Yeah. You yeah. know, it was, uh, it was where I, I guess consciously considered my own identity and skill set. And, and I really was just like, you know, who, who am I? Mm-hmm. Like, what what am I to myself and to the rest of the world? And, 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 you know, who do I want to be? And I'm a big believer in our ability to... Uh, I, I'm a big believer that identity isn't fixed. Mm-mm. I think that a lot of people identify themselves based on the things they think they can do or the things they think they can't do. I think more often than not, it's the latter. People are Mm -hmm. defined by the things they think they can't do. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they'll they'll see someone do something cool on YouTube and they're like, oh man, that'd be so cool. I wish I could do that. But they say, I wish I could do that as if they can't. And so what what I had to start, and for me, I saw people like my stepmom, who's a realtor, um, having a, a lot of success in real estate. Um, and I saw, uh, people, you know, doing career changes that were these massive changes. And I was like, man, that's so cool. Like, uh, you know, I wish I could do something like that and, and find the thing that I really am passionate about and, and can get into and create a business with. And, and then finally I, I, I something changed and mm. I was just like, 
I can do that. Like mm-hmm. I can do that. It, and it, it might not happen right away, but uh, I think so much of like success is just um, narrowing your focus mm-hmm. to something that you want to do. And then just like staying on that path, despite whatever obstacles or roadblocks might, you know, confront you. I mean, you, something pops up and you either jump over it like a hurdle or you find a way around it or, you know, whatever you have to do to get past it, just stay on that path Mm -hmm. and things will just start to work, you know? And, you know, when you think about like identity and, and who I am, you start to build that identity and the confidence along the way. And every roadblock that that you hit or that hits you, when you overcome that, it builds and bolsters that confidence. And so then you start thinking like, hey, I got through that. Like, damn, I'm I'm pretty good. And, mm-hmm. you know, and you start to feel better and feel more confident in yourself and your skills. And that just, I think, propels your your business. Yeah. And so I, I think identity is incredibly important. And, and uh, I, I respect that you, you know, sort of saw that and, you know, realized that you might have been scared of things that you didn't really need to be scared of. And, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming you're working through it or. Yeah. Yeah. It. I mean, a lot's changed, you know, since I think I've, I think I was 30, I was 31 or 32 um, and I'm 34 now and I just I just made some some little changes. And now it's just like I, I don't. I have some, you know, really nice horses now. And I just, you know, it's just about having fun. And, and I'm extremely competitive, like insanely. Um, and so it's, it's never, that part of me is never going to change. So once I feel like I've got a foothold, it's like, look out, like I'm back. Um, uh, so I think that's, I think that people don't realize that you have to, you have to keep filling that confidence back. And it was like, I was driving to a listing um, yesterday and it was not a for sure thing. Um, I had just reached out and of course, like everyone, in, every realtor and, you know, 50 miles had reached out and, and it wasn't even, it wasn't a big house. It wasn't a $500,000 house. It wasn't a big deal. And I had, I mean, I've had listings that were, you know, three were a lot bigger deals than this. And I was kind of thought it was so interesting. I was like, this is like a hundred and thirty thousand dollar little manufactured home on a little acreage. And and uh, everybody and their dog was trying to get it. And I was like. And you got it. I got it. Yeah. And I was like, huh. And I was like, a lot of times, you know, they think that we're out there chasing the $500,000 houses or the million dollar deals or, and I was just like, you know, even those big dogs that have those teams, they're chasing it just like we are. They're well, just shoot, like look you. at, <clears throat> look at the Levinsons, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Tara's by, uh, by volume, she's the highest producing agent in the state. And I look around at all of these listings that she's got and, might be a hundred thousand dollar trailer on an acre or two or uh you know rental property in Edmond worth 150 grand like these aren't extravagant listings now she gets those too mm-hmm. um but a lot of their bread and butter is the the high turnover properties in like the 100 to 250 range mm-hmm. so yeah i i totally yeah. agree and i think like kind of to talk go back just like i you know talk about the confidence it's like on the way there i was like okay 
yeah, I'm going to get that. I got this or, or I'm going to give it my best shot. And I was like, no, I am going to get this listing. Like, this is my listing. Oh, you were driving to it competing for it? Yes. Oh, okay. They had not. It was surely a sit down and talk to her. Okay, gotcha. And, and so what is it? This is like a double wide? A um, little double wide in Hero, Oklahoma. It's on like a, okay. like a 1.7 acres. Okay. Uh, it's like a tiny little mini farm. You know, okay. It has a little enough room for like one, maybe two horses. Yeah. They've got like chickens, pigs, dogs, some little shop with a stall in it. You know, the perfect little mini It's farm. like a little homestead kind of thing. Yeah, it's yeah. perfect. And like a lot of people want that, but they don't have $400,000. Sure. You know, or, or even, you know, $250,000. Like they, you know, to get a, a, a brick built home on a little bit over an acre is really hard right now. So, I mean, that little spot can and really be a lot to just to anybody. Oh, heck yeah. And, you know, um, I think that's something it's, I, I can't remember who I was. I think I was telling this to her the other day. I said, you, you never, um, it doesn't matter whether it's a, a $500,000 ranch or a million dollar ranch or $130,000, you know, manufactured home. There, you never know about people. You you don't know where they've come from, what they're doing, where they're going. But it doesn't matter. Like our whole purpose is to help people, mm-hmm. and so to me, it was just like I don't know. There's something about that yesterday that it was just like, and I didn't even like, I didn't make it a big sales pitch. I, I, didn't, I was just gonna ask, do you? Because like we are, I think we're both very similar in our, in our business philosophy is like helping people Mm -hmm. not going after like the, the business, so to speak, but understanding that the business will come by helping people. Yeah. So does that translate into like your sort of listing presentation or like, I mean, how, how did, how do you go through your listing presentation when you know, like you're probably competing against other agents for this listing? So, and this is actually interesting because I've started, it's always evolving and, um, you know, I hear you hear Krista talk about personality types a lot. Sure. And I'm really um, I'm really sensitive to the people's emotions, uh, whether they're good, bad, whatever. And it may have nothing to do with me or the situation. Sensitive in the sense that you pick up on it or yes. that, that you sort of like accidentally react to their no, I mean, I used to. Okay. But now I used to be a reaction. It used to make me really uncomfortable. Yeah. But now I'm like, oh, they are, this is how they're feeling or about this situation. And so I was just, I, I saw her post. Of course, it had been up for an hour and there was like 57 messages from every realtor. And I think there was a, somebody from Tara's team that even commented. And I just messaged her and I said, look, I know you're getting slammed. I friended her, you know, and I have like my profile picture. It's my family with some horses. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of already made a connection right there because she had, you know, horses on her Facebook. And when I just said, Hey, how are you? And I literally did not say a single word about real estate. I did not say, um, I, I think in the post I did tell her, I do have, you know, live, you know, livestock property experience. I'd love to help you. But when I contacted her, I didn't sales picture. Mm-hmm. I didn't go in for the, this is what I can do for you and what my team does and what my brokerage does. And I just started talking to her about horses and it being cold. And it's, it's real fun to have livestock when it's, you know, 19 degrees. And 
I, I think that's so important because I, I have a feeling that a lot of agents probably go into listing appointments with that mentality where it's like, oh, hey, I need to show them everything that we can do. Mm-hmm. And so this is, you know, here's my 13 page PowerPoint presentation on who we are and we do this and we do that. And, you know, yada, here's the houses we've listed and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And I'm really a believer that the consumer doesn't give a shit about about you or what you've done most of them don't No, i and i and if they want to know they'll ask like i'm sure you know if you were listing a unique property or maybe you know a a high-end property you would ask like hey so what experience do you have in this market or what Mm -hmm. experience do you have with uh you know property like this um you know the consumer would ask but i think most of the time the the seller is going to end up choosing the agent that they felt they connected with and that sort of understands them and their situation the most, which is why I make it such uh, such a, or I, why I make such a point to ask more questions um, than spend time talking, yeah. you know, cause I want to understand what their situation is, what they're trying to achieve or what their goals are, and then sort of cater my services or what I say to, to that. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you do the same thing. Yeah, I do. Um, sometimes you, you know, you can kind of go in there and, um, like I just relate everything back to experiences I have in the past, just sure. because that's just how I kind of make things make sense to me. Like I had a really cool property um, in, uh, last August that was, um, it was over $500,000, a nice acreage, a horse property, very unique. And I went and talked to him. Um, he still doesn't even remember where I got my card. Um, and I would really love to know. Um, but he doesn't, he still doesn't remember. And I went there and it was a really cool property and we just chatted and, and I literally showed up. I had boots on. I, I don't even think I, I maybe had some mascara on. I didn't have any makeup on. I just went there in my boots and, you know, you know, I was dressed nice, but I was not dressed like what you think of when you think of like a realtor coming into sure. a $500,000 listing. Yeah. And, you know, we met, we chatted. Um, he had some things he wanted to do and I didn't hear from him. And I reached back out and I reached back out. I thought I had this in a bag. And he goes, well, I just, I just hope you know, I have, you know, three or four other realtors I've been talking to. And I was like, what? Oh, you took did you off what? guard. Yeah. And he was like, um, here's the questions I have. And he did. He asked for those things. He said, what are you going to do that's so much different than the guy that sells every property within a, within 20 miles of my house? Yeah. He is the real estate agent here. And then I, I guess another girl came, another lady came and they all said it was worth the same thing. We all said the same things. We all said, oh, we're going to put it on the MLS and, you know, this is what our brokerage does and this is how good we communicate and all the things. And I was like, what the, what, are they, what do I have that they don't have? What are your value propositions? Yeah. And I was like, from literally the every side of the country in into Canada, between my Facebook and my friends, I could probably have three levels of separation to every horse person in the U.S., honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not joking. Um, it, but that's, you know, I mean, it's everybody knows somebody. So do and you, do you say that because that was one of your value propositions? Yeah, for that's what I told him as I was like, I have, this is what, you know, this is my background. This is where I came from. This is my wheelhouse. Yeah. I can tell you that these are, um, you know, I knew the market, so I knew who was probably going to buy the property. 
And I also, you know, I, I played into that a little bit. I just said, you know, most people are, I don't think someone from Oklahoma is probably going to buy this property. And I was right. Somebody from Texas did. Okay. And it was, um, their daughter had saw it on Facebook and it was, I had put it on Facebook and I had shown, um, I had just shown like the, a few pictures of the property and, and just put it on every horse property site, every, uh, anything related, real estate related, horses, anything. I just blew it up. And all my friends shared it. Everyone shared it. There's people in Washington that called me that were interested in it. There's people all across the country that called me that were interested in that property. And it was sold in, I think it was four days for like 10,000 over. Wow. And that's awesome. It was because of the Facebook marketing. Yeah. And now, would their real estate agent probably have found it on the MLS? Yeah. But they were made aware of it because of that. In it, that, that's something that I point out to people as well. You know, the, it, it's wonderful to have it on the MLS and it has to be there, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, just having it be not just there, but also having this social media presence on Facebook. I mean, Facebook's a huge community. Yeah. And with all the different, I think this is just a product of the way their algorithm works. But the fact that you know, if you post that, a friend of your friend could see that mm-hmm. and and then, you know, they could like or comment on it. Now a friend of their friend can see that. Mm-hmm. And so it's just this sort of like organic reach. And it's another reason that I, I think TikTok is great. And I know it gets a lot of shit because it's TikTok, but at the same time, it has that organic reach, you mm-hmm. know, its algorithm. So you can touch a lot more people and get mm-hmm. a lot more impressions that way. And what people don't realize is that although they think, okay, this person calls me and they're going to move to Edmond, Oklahoma, I can honestly say I bet 85 to 90% of the people that I close a deal with said they were going to move to a certain spot and only that spot. And then they saw a house that was not in that spot and that's where they bought the house. Yeah. So it it happens a lot. It happens a lot. And so they don't always see it on the MLS because they have their borders. This is where I want to live. And so this is the house I want to, the houses I want to look at. And then something pops up on Facebook and because they are in the same groups, they're in the horse groups, they're in the land groups, they're in, you know, so-and-so's, you know, friend list, or they like us, a professional athlete that I like, um, whether it, you know, be people who like basketball or rodeo, you know, we're all connected. And so it's, I use it a lot and I don't, it's interesting. I know some people can kill it on Facebook and I do pretty good, but some of my biggest deals, my first deal was I literally got on Facebook and was like, I'm a horse property specialist. I'd been in real estate for like a week. (laughs) And I mean, but we have, we have really good brokers. Yeah. So, I mean, they're really good at like about bringing the ambulance when you are like, well, and yes, I agree with that. Um, you know, for instance, that house in Edmond, Bo had stepped in at one point just be- because I was like, Hey, I might be missing something here. Like, is my pricing off? You know, is there something wrong with the house? Do we need to make some adjustments here? And and he came in and gave us a lot of really great pointers. And that got us to the point where, you know, that the house looked good now. Now we just need to clean up some of their stuff and mm-hmm. stage and tidy things up, which is where you came in and helped me out. Um, but to that point, um, I, I love our brokers. I think they're fantastic. And they helped me tremendously in, like, getting my feet under me and, and figuring out which you know, what direction I was facing when I first started. Yeah. And, uh, I think that's something that 
new agents or people that are just thinking about real estate or just getting licensed need to really consider. Uh, because like I spoke with a young lady who's sort of a friend of a friend. She lives down in the Fort Worth area and uh, she's getting licensed. She's not licensed yet, but she's doing all of her education. And she started interviewing brokers and she said uh, she thought that it was going to be a different sort of conversation. And when they sat down, it was more or less like, you know, hey, watch these YouTube channels to, you know, learn and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, this is kind of how it works. You know, you go out there, you find your business. And, you know, if you have any questions, let us know. Oh, by the way, you're going to pay $300 a month for this coaching program where you meet twice a week. And it was just this weird sort of thing. And, and she was like, is, is this what real estate is? Because if it is, I, I don't think it's right for me. Mm -hmm. And so I sat and talked with her for like two hours. And I just told her about my experiences with Exit and with my brokers. And, you know, the, the idea that our, um, uh, our, our company is really, it's structured differently than a lot of other brokerages mm -hmm. out there in the sense that our brokers and our company want us to develop our own brand. They want us to, you know, be able to distinguish ourselves from our peers who might be at other offices. Um, they they want us to get out there and talk to other agents. You know, there's so many different unique types of compensation, like with residuals, which I think is a great way for an agent who, you know, is really kind of gung ho coming in excited. Uh, it's a good way for them to build their business and, you know, recruit and coach and train and, and build your residuals. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, uh, anyway, I, I digress. I, I think I was just trying to say that us coming into this particular office, this particular brokerage, and these particular brokers, I think gave us both uh, a big leg up on someone that might have started with a different, mm -hmm. maybe bigger brokerage in the city. Um, I think we got the support and the nurturing that we really needed. Yeah, and I, I think that's um, what people don't realize is... Um, as much as, as we all are, we all have the same contracts, we all do the same things. And, and yeah, our, our brokers does some of the, the, the trainings and the, you know, you know, you can buy this, but you don't have to. But the thing that I think that really resonates with me is that, um, they've not one time ever told me that I can't do something or I shouldn't do something. Not yeah. one time. Yeah. They literally are like, I mean, I, I literally got on Facebook and was like, I'm a horse property specialist, which I am. But really not, I mean, I, I had good training and I had good support and I knew how to, you know, not get sued, but, um, and I knew how to help people, but I really didn't know how to bring that all together. And, and that's something that I think I really love about our brokers is because if you need somebody to really help you to hold your hand, they're going to help you if you bring the will to do it. Yep. They're also... I, I don't mean to cut you off, but Bo always says they've got to bring the batteries. they got to bring the batteries. Yeah. But they're also... Um, what I love about it is it's like... I'm, I'm like a little Energizer bunny that just took off and nobody really knew probably... I mean, probably Veda was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, Veda, this is happening. Like... I mean, I just, you know, hit the ground and took off and they support that too. Yeah. You know, they don't ask you to be, okay, this is what our brokerage is. is this is who you are. This is who you're going to be. This is how we're going to, no. you know. It's, it's 100%. Uh, I mean, they almost, I, I almost got the sense that they sort of take a step back and they just kind of see like, 
who is this person going to be? Yeah. And, and once they're they, good at. Yeah. You know? And then they encourage you to do the things that you demonstrate you're good at. And, uh, I mean, I got a lot of great feedback from Bo and Veda. Um, and I think one of the things I love that Bo did early on was he really sort of nudged me. I won't say he like told me do this or do that, but he would kind of nudge me like, Hey man, you know, with your background, you, you could do kind of well with this. And, you know, he'd Mm -hmm. toss out different ideas and I'd mull them over and, and then I'd, you know, get carried away thinking about how I can make it happen and different things I could do. Um, but man, the, the, the level of support that you get from this office and these brokers, I think is tremendous. And, and I think there's a lot of exciting things in the future, uh, both with the office and then with us as agents and, and here in Guthrie, because I think there's a lot coming to Guthrie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen a lot of people coming out of the city and out of Edmond into Logan County. And then like you're talking about how it's sort of this pseudo mecca for, for horse properties and the mm-hmm. equine community. And so I know I see a lot of people coming in from out of state for the horse part of it. Um, so I think Guthrie and Logan County specifically is going to grow a lot, uh, in the next few years. And I'm kind of curious before we have to wrap it up, what are some of the plans that you have to grow, um, in Guthrie, you know, like in the next couple of years, what, what are some things that you're kind of getting excited about? Well, um, I think I've, I've learned so much over the last couple of years. Um, I kind of learned just as much as what I want to do is what I don't want to do. Okay. Um, it was really, and now it, it, it's always for me, it's always back to the horses because that's what I know. But I remember somebody when I was, you know, working at Lazy E, and, um, a lot of times people come there and they really think they want to be in the horse industry. They think that's a, they think that's what they have to have. And they come there and they, they learn a lot of things, but most of them learn that that's not what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think I've really learned that as much as I was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be a part of this club and that chamber and this chamber and all these things and connections are wonderful by all means, go out there and get those connections. But I think what I really am so is really going to focus on is just building these relationships with people, talking to people, you know, and just kind of being somebody that people feel like they're just not going to get, you know, bombarded with or sales pitch with or, or why didn't you call me? You know, like just, just talk, just being me and just talking to people and just, you know, building those relationships. Um, and as much as I thought I was going to like, I was going to buy Borzillo and do all these things, you know, I, a year ago, um, I really just kind of brought all that down to just kind of being a more personable agent, you know, there for everyone, whether it's big or small and, um, just really looking forward to, to balancing life too. You know, I mean, I think my husband gets a little tired of like, no matter what, if my phone rings, like I'm starting to learn that, you know, the phone goes down in the evening, you know, I'm not always the best about it, but I'm getting better. Um, it's, it's hard though, especially like for us being newer agents, it's like, hey, we got to capitalize on every mm-hmm. opportunity. If we're getting a phone call at seven thirty, eight o'clock, kind of need to take it. Yeah, and I and I do, but I do. I'm like, I unless I am working a deal that is needs my attention and the world is burning down, mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not on my phone usually after about eight thirty, nine o'clock. Yeah, well, um, I mean that's a good shut off time. Yeah, um, and and it's funny because it's like, you know, what are you? 
dude, grow my business. And, and I, and I really am just kind of, kind of get down to focusing more on people and what they need and less on, you know, trying to get pay Zillow. Yeah. Like trying to pay this person or that person or that fee or be a part of this club or do these things. Um, I think that's sort of a natural progression in the business as well, because at first it's like, we do have to run around like our hair's Mm -hmm. on fire because like we got to pay bills Mm -hmm. and like (laughs) we need to make the ends meet. But, uh, you're right. You kind of reach this point where you, you kind of start thinking like, Hey, I need to like, just get smarter about how I'm doing this. And I don't need to run around like crazy. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, instead I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, let me build these pillars. And yeah. Cause I spent a lot of money last year that didn't really do me any good. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's, you know, they say you gotta, you gotta, you know, uh, you gotta pay money to make money. Well, it's. It's not always that. That's not always the answer. No. Um, and if you're willing to be a little bit more patient, sometimes you can grow something a little bit more um, unique and I think a little bit more true if you let it develop versus letting forcing it. Yeah. Um, and that's really hard when that's how you eat. Um but I think if you sometimes try to reel that in and be a little bit patient and try to make it, um, make your motives, you know, for the right, do the things for the right reasons. Yes. Um, even though we're all doing this to make money. Um, yeah, but, but I think like we were talking about reframing earlier, mm -hmm. if you can reframe that idea about running a business from I'm doing this to make money to I'm doing this to help people. Well, then you kind of like it starts clicking. You're like, okay, well, if I just help more people, I'll make more money. Yeah, it's just a product to helping people. Exactly. And 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 that's something I think that I really want to focus on is is to stop, you know, um, you know, chasing the circus. Yeah. And be the circus. Yeah, I'm gonna be. The, <laughs> I'm gonna be that monkey in the circus. Whatever. But you know, it, it's it's just stop. It's just focus that down into what it's really about, and things will come. And you know, and I always tell people, like I remember my the girl that I'm good friends with. That's also a horse person that I sponsored into um, exit is um, Ashley Fuller, and she did so good her first year, and um, she's got an amazing work ethic. But I think I told her something, and I think she looked at me funny when I said it. And I said, part of it in the beginning, because um, I had a lot of success, like really good success right off the bat. And I was like, girl, part of it is you kind of got to fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. But you got to do it in the right way. Sure. So, you know, you can't, you got to fake it till you make it, but you got to kind of stay in your lane too. So, um, and I think part of that we talk about is figuring out who you are, yes. figuring out, um, because the biggest thing I think you'll notice, whether it's Tara or Krista, is that they are very, um, very much who they are. Very sure of themselves yes. and very set in their identity. Yes. And anyone who's worked with them, whether it was the best experience of their life or not so much, that person never changes. And I think that, um, you know, as we need to evolve and change, whether it be in your business or your life, that, 
once you kind of realize like who you are and the things you want to do and the and help people, those things will change over time. The the true intent behind what you're doing will not. And people know what that is. People know. They can see. People know. Yeah. And some people it's okay with. If they know you're going to get them every dollar and that's all they want, it might be okay if that's what you're all you're about. It's the same thing with a lawyer. Some people want to hire the shark, mm-hmm. you know, and that's fine. And those lawyers that can be the shark, that's what they're selling is, hey, I'm a freaking shark, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and the same thing can happen with real estate agents. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that in today's day and age, like to your point, our role has almost shifted more to like an advisory role mm-hmm. where, because people don't need us to find the homes really. No. Like you've got Zillow, Truly a Redfin Realtor, all these websites where they can go 24 hours a day and look at the inventory. Where we come in is really after they've identified the homes they want to look for, now they want someone to walk through and and advise them on the home, advise them on the neighborhood, Mm -hmm. the purchase process or the sales process. And, you know, so I think the future of real estate agents is going to be much more um, almost like a consultant kind of thing where it's like, here, I'm helping you make this decision and get through this process in the most efficient and best way possible. Cause yeah, we're protecting their interests. And at the end of the day, we're there to help them and protect that purchase, protect their interests. And you know, if, if someone, if you had to spend 30 days with somebody calling them all the time about one of the biggest purchases or the biggest sales in your life, you kind of want to like them. You sure. know, yeah. you kind of want to want to talk to him, whether and, and, and some people want it straight business and some people want to talk about, you know, their dogs for a while. Um, and so I think you're you really hit the nail on the head there to where it really is. Um, you know, we, we do conduct ourselves as I guess I, you know, you say um, I hear a lot of people say like a real estate lawyer, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, no, we're not light. We're not truly a real estate lawyer. But, yeah, we try to conduct ourselves in that way. Yeah. And. But we also, you know, we're there for people. And it's part of it, too, is that I think people coming into the business need to realize is that you can make a lot of money. You can make a ton of money. You can help a lot of people, but you can hurt people, too. Mm. And I think that people really need to focus on doing the right things for the right reasons. And, you know, something that I've been dealing with a lot of people who are moving out of state. And so I'm just like, look, you worry about moving. I'll worry about your house. Yes. And, and and that's great because then the service that you're providing is the peace of mind. Yeah. You know, like, hey, don't sweat it. It's not necessarily I, about I the contract it. or the paperwork or the title company or the bank. And we've all gotten used to dealing with that. And it's easy now for mm-hmm. the most part. Yeah. The rest, the rest of it is dealing with people. Like mm-hmm. you have to be able to function and deal with people. Negotiate. You have to be able to ask for things or be, be ready to give a little. Or, yeah. Yeah. And, and you have to, and it's just like, you know, I, I don't remember who says it. Maybe it's Veda. It's like we're matchmakers. Yes. You know, we really are. And that's the same thing with matching, you know, with people, whether and I've, you know, worked with people that literally are like city Norman people or people that, you know, live in the country. You have to learn to, you know, if you want to navigate that or you've got to find out where you're comfortable and 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 always push it, always expand on it, but just do it for the right reasons and do it for for the people. Yeah. You know. And I think uh to your point, like you've got to get comfortable enough with yourself and the way you operate mm-hmm. and, and the whole process uh, because that's the point where you can really stop faking it because in a way you've made it. 
you understand the processes, you understand the different relationships and different parts of the transaction. And so then it just becomes more of a natural thing where you're really just coordinating the deal. You're making sure that the abstracting is done, title works done, the numbers match and, you know, the lender gets everything they need and, and you're just sort of quarterbacking the whole thing. And so I think that's great. And Charlie, it's been really wonderful to have you Thank on. You. I, I love these talks and whether it's with you as an agent or someone in the insurance industry or a lender or whatever, it's great to have these conversations where we can sit down one-on-one, get to know each other and, and talk more about like, you know, where we came from, how we got into this, what are our motivators and just all this stuff. It's, it's really cool conversation for me and I take a lot from it. So yeah, it's really, I really neat. appreciate and it. It's uh it's cool to hear a little bit more about your story too. I don't know that we'd ever really dived into that. So yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. I appreciate it. And, um, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. So if, if anyone's watching this and they want to talk more with you about, you know, listing a property or helping them buy a property or whatever, how do people get in touch with you? Um, the easiest way probably honestly is Facebook. Um, I have, um, a Facebook profile, personal and business, and it's just, um, you know, it's just Charlie Norris with Exit Realty Premier. Um, I also have a web page and um, that is uh, Charlie and OKC agent at homepages.com. Um, and my number is 605-690-6046. Um, or you can always reach out to the brokerage and they can, you know, patch you over too. Um, but and, and you're starting to do a lot with video too. I see you posting a lot to TikTok. And yes, I'm working that. on that. Um, like yeah, I'm kind of doing. Uh, it's uh, I think it's it's rodeo and realtor is my little tag name or whatever. Um, uh, lots of horse stuff on there, cow stuff, crazy kid stuff. My daughter's wild. Um, but real estate stuff too. So uh, my comfort zone, you know, is barrel racing videos and and funny kid and horse videos. So um, I'm starting to learn how to uh, use that too uh, with real estate. Yeah. Um, and I do, I, I've got to say, I really like your TikTok because you've got uh, like uh, the perfect mix of the business stuff and the rodeo and the family, you know, you see you walking around with your daughter, see you talking about, uh, you know, buy transactions you're involved with or listing transactions you're involved with. And it's really good content. So I enjoy watching it. Well, thank you. I enjoy yours too. It's always fun to see, um, everyone, uh, you don't always realize the parts of everyone's lives. Yeah. And so it's, it's fun to, to kind of see the, the little parts that, um, we wish they would talk about more or we would see more. That's a good point. It's cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, Charlie, thanks again. I appreciate it. Thank you. Fist bump. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And uh, if, again, if there's anything that we can do for you, don't hesitate to reach out. We're always here to help. All right. Catch you on the next one.